Hey everybody, I am excited to chat with Todd. He is the author of the new book, Product-Led Organization. He also leads uh, the company that hopefully people have heard of if you're Product-Led Growth, Pendo. How's it going, Todd? How are things with you? I'm great, thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm super excited. I just read the book, it's great. I'm curious, I, and this is something I ask people who just wrote a book. What's the story behind writing the Product-Led Organization? Yeah, look, um, so I was approached by a, a publisher, um, actually now, I think it was 2018. So I think it was more, you know, a little while ago, a couple of years ago. And, you know, I was kind of chatting about a few ideas and I, and kind of exploring it and thinking about it, I realized that just through the Pendo journey and interacting with customers that, that I thought I had a interesting story to be told that has not yet been told. And I think that's probably what, what I was looking for. And, and, you know, I think originally we were discussing whether it should be just about product analytics. And I didn't really want to just cover product analytics. I want to talk about a broader subject. And I think this notion of product-led and a lot of the stories from our customers have been inspiring me. And that, that kind of ultimately mm-hmm. led to this book. That's really fascinating because uh, uh, the first section is about uh, analytics and data, which we'll, we'll get there. I'm curious, you know, the book is called The Product That Organization. So the organization, how has, you know, you've, you've talked about customers that have gone product-led, but how has becoming product-led changed things for different teams like customer success, marketing, and engineering? Well, in many ways, becoming product-led is a way to drive efficiency and help each of these functions do more. Do more with either the, the same individuals or even fewer individuals in some instances. But the way I think about it in mm. some of those roles is, how does the product offload high-volume, low-value activities from my team? Mm. And you know, think specifically in something like customer success. One of the number one complaints I hear from customer success managers is, I feel like a glorified trainer in a product. Like, I get on the phone with a, with a customer and they ask me, how does this work? How does that work? And I don't think I've met a CSM that, like, that's why they became a CSM. They became a CSM because they want to be a trusted partner with a customer. Mm. They, want to, they want to help the customer realize business objectives. And they want to do like high value consultative work and like teaching people how to use features. That's not that. So this is an area where product-led plays a key role because it frees up an individual or set of individuals to provide higher value activities. And honestly, be happier at work. You're happier at work when you do high value consultative things. Really fascinating that for customer success. We're going to get into marketing, but how about for the engineering team? How has product-led like changed things? Well, I think being product-led in engineering I think it's an ability to be connected a little bit closer, mm. closer to customers, right? So you know, if you think about like the conversion or was traditionally known as product-led growth aspect of product-led, it's often you're like an engineering team coupled with design, product management, probably a marketing person. Your job is to like sell, convert the customer. Where it's much closer to the action than, say, companies that have a more uh, sales-led go-to-market model, right? So I think it's about being closer to the customer. Mm, you know, that that um, makes sense. Yeah, I guess that kind of leads to you. You, you brought up the sales-led organization, and th- this book is called Product-Led Organization. And I'm sure you get this. And you're going to get this question come up because of the book title. 
there's, let's say there's a company that sales-led organization comes up to you and say, hey, we want to become product-led organization. What would you tell that person? What, where should they even start? Well, that's the question. <laughs> that's a big question. Because your product, right? I my first question is like, you know, what, what, what circumstances led you to be quote-unquote sales-led? And, mm. and, you know, I think some of the anti-patterns... Look, first of all, I love sales. So like, <laughs> as a, a CEO of a company... You know, I have all functions reporting to me. I love our sales team. I love other sales teams I interact with. So I got some like massive bias where I like one department over another department. Like, you know, they're all I mean, I love every aspect of business. And, and our, our sales team's fantastic. And many others are as well. So but when people use that term, what they typically mean is that they sell the product or that it usually refers to a company that sell a product, even if it's not a great product to customers that could become shelfware. That's what, when I hear it used, that's what, like, certainly in a derogatory fashion, that's what it typically means. So the question is, like, are you a company who wants to be in the business of selling shelfware? And if the answer is no, that's not our vision. We want to deliver value to customers. Then you can still have your sales team involved. Mm. It's just simply, um, hey, let's make sure that we're matching our value prop with the right customer, right? Mm. So that that... It may be as simple as just an attitude change and focusing on customer health and retention. I think that's a great place to start. And the other thing you can do is you can have a sales team and you can still have trials. Mm. You know, we have a sales team. Now, I was actually talking to a prospect yesterday and he asked me if you could try the product. I said, actually, I would love for you to try my product. Companies that try our product close at a significantly higher rate than those who don't. So yeah. of course I want you to try it. It's a great product. So companies that like that are product led, like I love it. Like yeah. and I said, look, if it doesn't meet your needs, let me know. Like what was missing? What were you looking for that we didn't have? And that's all about. Then that kind of comes into parts of the book later in the book where I talk about customer feedback and how we get better and improve on it. But like that's what it's all about to me. Like I want you to try it. I want you to experience it. And if it's not great, like I can deal with that. Just tell me what you'd love to see or give me feedback. So, so I think that's where I would start in the whole process. It's probably a long answer to your question, but that's kind of how I Yeah. No, no, it's a great answer. I think there's two things that kind of lead from that. I think the first thing that keeps popping up over and over again, and you, you kind of address it here, is do you need a free trial or a freemium product to be, quote unquote, a product-led organization? And I, I, I think I heard you say, not necessarily, but like, what would your response be to somebody saying, oh, I got to do a free trial of premium to be product-led? Absolutely not. Mm. So like, I think when we create these archetypes, like you have to have A, B, and C to be product-led, <laughs> it does the whole industry a disadvantage. Like I'm a big tent individual and I think I'm a big tent product-led person. There's lots of aspects of being product-led and you could be different phases of your product-led journey in the very early phase. But if you're committed to it and you're becoming product-led in certain aspects, yeah, you're product-led. So no, freemium is its own special thing. And freemium models work really well for some companies. And for some companies, they haven't figured it out. Mm. And freemium is actually hard, like really hard. People think it's easy. It's not easy. And there's, look, we can talk a lot about freemium and, and maybe we want to go there next because I, I like, I think it in and of itself, it's its own, it's its own item. So <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll get there. But one other thing that another big misconception, and I've seen this on my LinkedIn feed as well and Twitter is that 
product led means you don't have a sales team and you just said that it's not can you go deeper into like what does sales do in a product led organization well, it depends on where you are in your product-led journey and, and what aspects of product-led. I mean, you could be a product-led organization that has a sales team, but the sales team may be dealing with um, more, you know, finding hard leads. You know, maybe you have low market awareness. I mean, some companies aren't like you know trying to grow faster than I just got to step back and run as much Google AdWords as I can. I'm going to deal with my inbound demand. Some companies actually are going out there and actually actively prospecting. What if you're a new category and no one's heard of the category? No one's searching for it. It's new. It's novel. It's never been done before. I mean, that's an area where maybe having some sales or some outbound is is super beneficial. If you're selling to really large enterprises, invariably, you're going to have some legal or contractual changes, some specificity there, compliance issue, privacy issues. Like, yeah, try selling to like a hospital system, like a piece of software. Like, good luck making it 100% product-led. You know? yeah. So there's plenty of aspects for sales that has a tremendous amount of value. Mm, that totally makes sense. I think you're right. Like, There are certain things where sales-led is the way to go, but like it's continuum where like going back to your point earlier, product led doesn't necessarily mean you have a free trial or free money. It could mean that you're really close to the product. Yeah. And look, does it mean the organization's sales led because they have salespeople? No. No. I don't think these things are mutually exclusive either. But I think a product led business is about one where the product is central to the experience. So you may have salespeople, but maybe they really encourage you to try the product. So the product is what ultimately sells. They guide people through it, so to speak, to kind of help them. But maybe the product sells itself in many instances or, or certainly is a big aspect of the sales process. So, you know, these things are less binary than I think they need to be. So, Yeah, I totally agree with that. And I want to shift gears and talk about, you said you wanted to go there in the freemium sense. You said it was hard. Like, what are things that people need to think about when particularly they're thinking about freemium? Well, the big thing is it's all balancing act between how many features do we have in freemium, how full featured it is versus like how do we drive conversions and what's the actual conversion points. And I, and I find that almost as a rule, companies are far too conservative when it comes to freemium, meaning like fear drives the decision-making around what's included and not included. And look, if I'm building a freemium product, the first thing to focus on is like, it's got to be a great product. <laughs> if it's a product that every time I try to do something, I end up in like a, you know, some form that I say, click here to like talk to a salesperson, it's just going to piss me off. Like, so it is core. It needs to be able to do something. You need to be able to use it. It needs to do something. And this something needs to be a value. And it needs to be want me to come back. So like the biggest thing is build a great product, you know, and it may be a limited version of your product suite or you know, set of product capabilities, but it shouldn't be fully functioning. It does something mm. start to finish and feel good. Like be great. So I think that's the biggest thing. And then from there, you can worry about the conversion. I mean, mm. and there's lots of ways to do conversion. The conversion can be um, obviously carrots are better than sticks. I think we all know <laughs> that. I think like punishing someone for using your product too much and saying, now you have to pay. That feels pretty bad. But sure. saying, hey, we got some of this advanced functionality, yeah. great way to go. So, No, that's, that's a good point. And, and finding that balance, I find it's hard. 
I want to shift gears actually and go back to you know what it means to be a product head organization. We talked about customer success and engineering. And then I want to talk about marketing because you put a quote in the book. You said that product is the new marketing. I'm curious what you mean by that for our listeners who might not know what that means. Yeah, I mean, look, I mean, it's kind of more of a, base, a bias that having a great product is, which ultimately drives things like referrals and word of mouth, is probably amongst your best marketing, right? It, rather than relying on really fancy words or trying to spin something in some crazy way, like just having a really great product experience is a great way to drive more word of mouth. And look, it all starts with things like public review sites. I mean, now information about your product, unbiased, unfiltered information about your product is more pervasive than it's ever been before in history. Like you can't hide from the truth. So product is the truth. And the truth needs to be great, right? So look, I think anything you can do to focus on delivering good experience and harnessing and encouraging people who like that experience to go talk about it to their friends, that's great marketing. So that's kind of why I use that term. That's kind of how I think about it. You said another quote there, product is truth. And I was thinking in my head after you said it, and the truth just said you're free. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I love that. Maybe I should have put that in the chapter. I think product is truth. So um, that's good. New title. I'm going to tweet that out later. (laughs) (laughs) I was thinking about that as well. (laughs) Oh, man. I mean, yeah, I think that that's true. Like people just, I think buying process has changed and people do want to try it before they buy it. And it is the new marketing, especially if it's good. I think a big piece of that is making sure, and this goes back to your your first section in the book. You, you dedicated your originally you said that you were thinking about just focusing on analytics, or that, that's what the publisher focused on. But you know, obviously, data is important. But what are things that a product led organization should really be looking at in terms of metrics? Well, look, I mean, in the first chapter in that section was start with the end in mind. So, and really, what that was all about was make sure you understand your goals, right? And I also talk about how the goals change or evolve over time. You know, if you're a, you know, a early startup, you know, seed stage, the, the metric, the thing you'd be measuring is some proxy for product market fit, the number of ways that you may want to be looking at product market fit. I mean, ultimately speaking, I'm a big advocate of looking at some sort of engagement analytic. I mean, a product that no one uses we can probably all agree isn't a good product. So, so use it is a valuable proxy for understanding value uh, received by customers. Now, there's different flavors of usage. It could be how frequent people come. It could be how much time they spend in product. It could be uh, some sort of volume-based metrics. I mean, transactions are doing through it. So, I mean, each product has its own sense of the more people do X, the more value they're getting from it. That's kind yeah. of what you want to measure. I might be putting you on a spot, but I'm curious what that looks like for Panda. What is that X that you're really driving all customers for Panda for? Yeah, look, we, we kind of look at um, three main areas, mm-hmm. right? We're actually, we've actually are branding this our product engagement score. And, and the, but this is an area that we're actually productizing for our customer base very, very soon. But it's kind of three axes we look at. And mm-hmm. the olden days, the olden days, like, <laughs> A couple of years ago, we used to call it breadth, depth, and frequency. We've kind of evolved it now to look at adoption, which is also which is breadth of adoption, which is what percentage of kind of core capabilities and core features uh, are you using. 
The second one is frequency, how we use stickiness, which is kind of what's your ratio between weekly active users, monthly active users, or a derivative of that is daily active user and monthly active user. But you know, like monthly active user is a good proxy for about how many people regularly come in. And the ratio of daily or weekly to monthly gives you a good sense for really how sticky your product is. Then the third item would be growth. Is your product like growing? You know, like our, like week over week, or you know, it kind of depends a little bit on your market, but you know, it could be even day over day. But for consumer, but but for B2B, probably week over week or month over month growth. But those are kind of the three axes we look by. If we're if we're growing, if people are using a broad set of our features, so they're not just narrowly, shallowly using our products, and if they're coming back a lot, we're happy, right? Those are the three things we found that those three axes are good leading indicators of long term attrition, which is what we, uh, and retention, what we care about. Mm. Wow, that's good to know. And you said you're going to trade market as pro- a product in- engagement score, you said, right? Yeah. That's cool. Well, I'll, I'll check that out. Um, really, really interesting stuff about that. I want to shift gear one last time and talk about like one of the final pieces in one section in your book, which is all about how teams deliver products now and how that, that's changed. How has things changed in terms of delivering product in the product-led organization? Well, look, a lot. I mean, I think the way we ship, deliver products today are, are radically different. So, um, mm-hmm. But a couple of things I talk about, or I'll start with one. I mean, I think the way we ship and release software is really, really different. You know, we used to just kind of build something and put it out there. Now we have this whole notion of feature flagging, which has opened up the ability to have these staged rollouts. You could have limited release to internal stakeholders. You can have limited release to sort of closed beta participants, you can have open betas, you have all sorts of interesting options. And these are all levers for your product or to collect feedback, to hone the product, to potentially even tighten your relationship with users and customers and help them kind of co-create the outcome. So this is all relatively new. And I think those are some of the big adjustments to how you think about delivering product. Mm. One of the things that I think relatively new as well is the idea of product ops. And I know Pendo has a team dedicated to that. For listeners who might not know, what is product ops and how does that fit into this product-like organization? So product ops is um, an orchestration function. So it sits within products and it helps manage consistency and take a lot of these activities off of product managers' plates. One of the crazy things, product managers already have one of the most diverse roles in a business. They have to spend time with engineers and write specs. They have to spend time with customers and do discovery. Okay, adding in like, how do we organize metrics programs? How do we manage beta releases? And how do we manage customer feedback? I mean, it's a lot already. So product ops relieves a lot of that extra work from product managers. And by, by centralizing it, you can create consistency across it. You can have better process. By having better process, you'll have more consistent communication back to customers. Really interesting. Yeah, and it goes back to that, how central, how much closer you are to the customer in a product-led organization, right? I want to shift one last time as, and as I start wrapping up. I know there's a lot of things that we talked about, and I, I highly suggest people read the book. But if you can give one or two pieces of advice to an organization that's interested in becoming more of a product organization, what would be those one, two, or any number of pieces of advice you'd like to give those companies? Look, I think the, the really positive one, I think, 
and maybe it'll be a lot of one. And that is um, find high volume, low value work in your company that you feel your product can offload from the department. Go around, whether it's, I don't care where it is, it could be sales, success, support even. Support's actually a great place to start, maybe. You know, go find out what's the top reason that people call support and try to find a way to eliminate those calls. That's a great way to start being product-led. Have your product offload one of those activities from the apartment and you're on your way. Such a good one of advice. You're right. Yeah, they probably are talking to a customer and hearing more of their unhappiness than any other team. And one last question, where can people find out more about the book product organization or even where can people find out more about you? Do you want them to follow you on Twitter, add you on LinkedIn, or like what is your call to action to the product-led podcast for listeners right now? You're certainly welcome to follow me on Twitter. I'm probably one of the more boring people who you'll follow, but um, I, <laughs> I am certainly welcome to so no, I'm T Olson T O N. And you can certainly go to our website, www.pendo.io, P-E-N-D-O.io. Um, we also um, have a sister site called productcraft.com where we have great content for product managers. It's a great follow-on to the book. But yeah, that's a great place to start. And yeah, I was just giving you a hard time. Follow me on Twitter. I, I will post in quotes. <laughs> Oh, will do. We'll make sure to add your Twitter on uh, on the show notes as well as that. Well, thank you so much for your time, Todd. I really do appreciate it. Likewise. Appreciate it.